From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And this is Big C, and thank you very much, Shaggy, for... Well, welcome to everyone. We are we're running a little bit late. We're watching Facebook Live. We had a few technical issues. Uh, the aliens uh, in the alien capital of the world, Bonnie Bridge, Bonnie Bridge, up in Scotland, where Gordon is residing, obviously were causing a bit of an issue. But we are we are on. Um, we're live now on Facebook. Thanks for joining. This is episode one oh two, episode twelve series. Or whatever it is, series four, is it series four? I don't know. Shaggy did say before, I don't know if it's three or four, I can't remember, but it's episode one zero two anyway. And I have with us Stinky Pete in Edelsborough, of course. There he is waving everyone if you're watching Facebook. And in the aforementioned capital, alien capital city of the world, Bonnie Bridge, Scotland, I return finally. I return finally to Gordon Wallace, who is, and still is, and I think is a, a supply on the way as we speak. Yes. What what has he ordered this time anyway, as a matter of interest? More prog. Just let's just leave it. No, no, I don't, I don't, it wasn't it wasn't, shit. was it? I, it's no. so long ago it's so long ago since I ordered. That, I, I basically task all I gave there's Gordon a- this massive long list and said, right, I want all these albums. When you find them, just box them up and send them to me. So I've got no idea. It's going to be like a lucky dip. I can't wait. It, it could be any kind of stuff. There's a couple of Dylans and an Aqualung special edition in there for you. Oh, excellent. I shall, I shall look forward to it. When you say Dylans, I'm assuming you mean Bob rather than the rabbit off the Magic Roundabout. Well, you would have thought that, but no, it is Dylan off the, off the Magic Roundabout. <laughs> cool, man. <laughs> they are much cheaper. And a couple of Dylan Thomas as well. Me, me <laughs> Excellent. I was always poetry. a fan. Yes. <laughs> Welsh poetry. It's right up there. I prefer Brian's solo material from Magic Roundabout, actually, to be honest. Uh, Brian yeah. Snail. Was it? Was uh, Snail? No, Brian? hang on. No, no, no. What about what Florence and the Machine? The Florence oh. and the Machine, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all there. <laughs> And a Dougal. So nothing to Dougal. our American listeners. No, there's got to be a Dougal in, in the in the biz, isn't there, a Dougal? I think Dougal was did one, have a single, actually. Was one of Busted or McFly a Dougal? <laughs> Something like that. Who had a single out? Dougal, I think Zippy. Is it, what was it? Was it Zippy? Zebedee. 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 I was Zebedee. in Rainbow Territory there, so that was... Yeah, yeah. Was lapsing, into, lapsing into Rainbow badly. Yeah, <laughs> Which we've all done. It was a kids program anyway in the Magic Roundabout. It probably wasn't shown in the States, but it was definitely shown over here. Yeah, Big in the dad, what, 60s? 60s and Emma, 70s, maybe? Yeah. Am I right to think it was Emma Thompson's dad? Oh, yes, yeah. I think. Eric Thompson, yeah. It was Emma yeah, Thompson's dad, too. Was. No, yeah. the guy who'd done the whole show, Eric Thompson. Oh. The guy who narrated it. I was really confused there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your age, Pete. You're showing your uh, age. Listen, mate. I show my age every time I put my socks on in the morning, so that'll come as no surprise to anybody. Anyway, shall we get on? Shall we get on? Uh, What's we the topic since we're late this already. week? A tricky one. A tricky one. We have I think we sort of mentioned them in passing occasionally, and it's obviously I think there was a bit of a Twitter thing going on 
Gordon suggested this, actually. So, as, as he so rightly said, he's only come back for one week now and he's already the new producer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Will that be added on to my fee, the, the writer's okay. spell? <laughs> I'll, I'll make a note of it. Yeah, I'll make, yeah. I'll make a note of that. Add another zero in there, Colin. All right, we'll do. At the beginning. Oh, on to the front. Yeah. On to the front. Yeah. Yeah. There are zero, so it won't really matter, really, put it. So All right. up to 0.05 from 0.03, Colin. Just make a note. I will. I've definitely made a note of that. Right, okay. The theme is consecutive run of three albums. Classic. I know, I've said classic when I've written the, when I've posted the uh, the promo for it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess we're talking, I don't know, we're necessarily talking classics. We're talking our own personal view. Yeah, three I think absolute, so, yeah. Classic storming albums. Yeah, like classic albums in, in our personal sense rather than classic like everybody says, but there'll probably be some of those in as well. Um, I, I must admit, I, I had a list, I said before, I had a list of about 25, 25 artists and with three albums on the trot. And then I had to whittle them all down thinking, oh, hang about, no. They had a live album in between, the, 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 like yeah. the second and the third. So, I had to, you know, and I wasn't so keen on that. I mean, we can include live albums, no problem. But, uh, yeah, that particular one. The one I was thinking of, actually, I'll tell you now, was uh, I was thinking Dire Straits. They had a good run. They had Ooh. making movies. They had Love Over Gold. And they had brothers in arms. They were they were three grey albums, consecutive albums for me. But in between they had Alchemy, which is a live double, I think it was a double. It wasn't a triple, was it? Supplied to me album. by my dealer very recently. Yeah. What, Alchemy. Yeah. Yes. Alchemy, oh, Alchemy, the all got Alchemy. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Another, another Monty Python uh, <laughs> Monty <laughs> Python reference. That was, there. that was his highbrow was that that was carry on, Colin. Was that Carry On? Oh, Infamy, yeah. Infamy. Yeah, I suppose it was, yeah. Kenny, was that Kenneth Williams? Yes, yeah, Kenneth. Infamy, yeah. Infamy. They've all got an Infamy. Right, okay, so that's um, that's the general premise of the show. Um, I think Gordon and Pete and me were supposed to come up with like five artists of run of three albums. But, I mean, as I said, I had 25. Pete might have done, Gordon might have done both more a bit more than five maybe six or seven i don't know i'll probably add a few more in as well um have you found it difficult then gordon or you just went for your main artists and no just more what to leave out because i I made the decision early on that uh, it was too easy to do a beatles three a dylan three and a stones three uh so i gave them the elbow uh, in in favor of lesser celebrated threes shall we say Mm -hmm. uh but and, and I still have I'm still wrestling manfully with which one I'm going to leave out in my six to, to do it to a five as we speak. That's how hard it's been. You're wrestling manfully. That sounds a bit rude. I don't know why. It does. No, I'm, I'm manfully wrestling. Yes, <laughs> which one goes? What, uh, what, what about you? Well, I found this really interesting because my five I picked just like that, really easy. But then I kind of thought about loads of others. And what struck me was two things, which I'll share with you. And you can go, well, that's a little old rubbish. But two things that struck me was that quite a lot of the bands who I would have chosen albums from, so, for example, like Pink Floyd, um, I didn't 
because the runs of threes were broke. There wasn't any runs of threes for me. There was always two, and then there was a one which wasn't anywhere near as good, and then there was another two, or there was a one, and so so and, and there was quite a few bands like that. Um, uh, and and so I, I kind of I, I dismissed the load because I thought I'm there's two great albums, and then I'm including this third one because I want to choose this band, but actually that wasn't the point of the whole thing. So I've been all mm. of that. Um, but then the other thing I realised was that there are a couple of bands and one of them I will mention and the other one I will reference as my sixth. Um, actually, there's a seventh. There was a couple where they not only had a three, but they had a four, five and six. Four, five, yeah, that's yeah. And, 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 and I, I reflected on how good you have to be to either do two threes over a career or just a straight run of fives and sixes. Um, and then the other thing I realised, and this and this goes back to a conversation we were having when Jeff was on, um, doing the bass thing, uh, by the by, um, so many bands and so many artists, when they start, they have this big creative burst and they dump a whole pile of really great songs onto album one and two. And then there's this third album syndrome. And I know that's a, that, you know, that's a thing. The difficult third album is Billy. Yeah, the difficult, the, the difficult, third, yes. difficult third album. But in one of my cases, I'm just checking in one of my cases, actually the first couple of albums were all right, but then they really hit the straps kind of, you know, either three, four, five or four, five, six. So that what was interesting was to look at how different it is for different types of bands and, and their histories. So I found it quite, I didn't find it difficult to do because I knew who I was going to choose, but I found it interesting to then look at things. And I dismissed the Stones and Dylan for the same reason that, that you did, Gordon, because I just thought, well, you know, they're so, I mean, they're, they're all obvious, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you both, actually. I, I have omitted the, I mean, that, straight off the bat, I'm sure the Stones, for me, the Stones would have a three, definitely, and that would be Let It Bleed, uh, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street. That would be my three for the Stones. Yeah, same. Uh, and another, another two, I think, that I haven't included, but any, anyone's list of three classic albums, a run of three, a triumvirate's, if you like, of albums, another two artists I haven't included, but they are definitely up there, would be Mr. David Bowie. So I don't know whether you've included Bowie in your three, no, have you? No, that's kind of too easy as well. Well, no, yeah. no, you see, so I've got Bowie as my number six. Oh, okay. Right. But the reason but the reason is because Bowie had a had a double had a double triple. Yeah, he's the one who I think is interesting. He had two threes. Okay, yeah. well we'll come on to that. I mean, for me, he only had a three, uh, as well, I'm we, sure we've had, this com- we've had this conversation many before. Times. You know, That's you know reason. where I'm going with this. This is another reason why I thought, yeah, there's no point including them. Another one, which is maybe no, it's on the same sort of league as those two for me: Bowie and Stones, and the other one, is Stevie Wonder. Oh, right. aye, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. that triumvirate, well, he had more than three, but I mean, well, he had for six. me... He's one yeah. of the sixes. 
He's one of your sixes as well. That whole music in my mind, fulfilling this, fulfilling, blah, blah. blah, Yeah, Innovisions. Talking book, book, Innovisions, fulfilling this. Fulfilling this finale. Um, That's the first three. That's the three I've got. Comes in the Key of Life. Yeah, by the way, up to Secret Life of Plants. Secret Life of Plants. So you've got those those six, that whole run of six albums. Yeah. Lucky Horn and July was a stinker. Hmm? Lucky Horn than July was a stinker. Hotter than July. It wasn't really a stinker. It wasn't as good. In comparison, yeah. In comparison, because Inner Visions is, you know, so good. But uh, So I've excluded all of those three, as yeah. maybe what well, Gordon appears to have done as well. You might have included them in, in the discussion in your sixes, yeah. because they obviously are, I mean, they're stellar artists, aren't they? And, of course, another artist I have omitted are the Beatles, and for, for the obvious reason, I mean, you couldn't argue in anyone's, in, no one could, could argue that, say, Rubber Soul Revolver is not going to be, no. surely it's going to be a run of three albums. Yeah. But, but again, we're looking at personal, yeah, definitely. I think anybody would look at that, that would be Rubber Soul Revolver and Sergeant Pepper. But for me, on Revolver and Sgt. Pepper, there were a couple of tracks where I could probably skip. So if I were in the Beatles, I'd probably go earlier. Because the latter-day yeah. stuff... The latter funny, day, I, the would, I wouldn't have Sgt. Pepper. Yeah, I would go on the other side of that. Yeah, see, I would, I'd actually go right to the beginning. I'd go, please, please, me with the Beatles, A Hard Day's Night. That will be my three classics for the Beatles. Because I, I, don't know, I don't know the order well enough, but if I was choosing three, I'd go... Uh, I'd go Sergeant Pepper, Abbey Road, and Let It Be, but uh, presumably in the middle of that lot, the White Album stunk the place out. Yes, the White Album was there Ooh, in the middle. Uh, and there's so many songs on it that there were the odd, well, absolute stinker, to be honest, yeah. with, with yeah. the obvious track, and I'm not going to mention the, the title again. Uh, even Let It Be, for me, is is a little bit sketchy in that it's just like bits of songs and... Yeah. Songs that they recorded back in 69 put together on an album that they didn't actually put together themselves anyway, really, did they? Um, So, yeah, that's why I've gone to the earlier stuff. And, I mean, that that ignores, like, Beatles for Sale and Help. I think they're the only two we haven't mentioned in the end, in the middle there, between Hard Day's Night and Rob Soul. Can can I just point out, we seem to have uh, used half the show to talk about the albums for no one. That we're not going to be talking about, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Last, last week when we did Eurovision, we spent the first hour talking about everything that was happening that hadn't happened yet, rather than what was go- what had happened in the past. So it's become a way we do the podcast now. We'll get to it eventually. Tell us, Gordon. <coughs> Who have we got? <laughs> Come on, then. Who have we got? Who have we got? Mr. Right. Producer. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to uh, start off with maybe a fairly honest, uh, obvious one to anybody that knows me. But go, I'm going to take you back to early 80s again. Uh, and t- to be honest, I, I always sound fairly snobby when I say this, but after this running albums and the fourth one, I kind of went off the band and didn't really uh, engage with them as much. So my, my first one is going to be R.E.M., uh, no real surprise to know it's all the IRS, well, the first three IRS albums rather than the Warner ones. So uh, the debut, uh, Murmur, which was uh, actually the second one I bought. I started with Reckoning, then went back and got Murmur and then waited for Fables. 
the reconstruction to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Reckoning was the first one. When I look back on it now, it sounds quite dated, but, you know, I think it's maybe over familiarity with it. Uh, they sound an awful young band, especially on Murmur. You can tell that they're not actually as competent musicians as they would come on to become, but there's a freshness there. Uh, and the, the tunes on, on Murmur and on Reckoning were just to die for. Uh, by Fables, they were getting more into their sort of stride uh, and hitting their peak. And they just had so, I mean, great songs to spare then, you know. Uh, so Central Rain, Don't Go Back to Rockville, Seven Chinese Oceans. <coughs> they were just a great, fresh, jingly jangly pop band. And as I say, by the time they, they hit their, 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 their commercial peak, and I always think that this is an interesting thing that for somebody like myself, what a band has to, you know, lose, I think, to get a massive audience is always the thing that I liked in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The quirkiness. I yeah, no, and, and I don't know if it's inverted snobbery. I'm sure there's probably a wee bit of that in there as well. Possibly. <clears throat> but as I say, the, the rough edges go and then they get the mass acceptance. And I'm talking to, you know, Many people who I've loved, you know, with Springsteen and uh, <coughs> quite a few others that will come to, uh, I've also, even U2, who, I mean, I loved the first U2 album, but to get that mass acceptance, I think they've just got to round out the sound a wee bit and just have that productions, you know, mm. tapered to mass consumption, and, and that's when I tend to lose them, I must confess. Yeah, I mean, we've often said that on this show, actually, uh, with a lot of artists where you watered down the edges. I mean, the obvious yeah. one, like Rod Stewart, Queen, well, all of these sorts yeah. of artists. Yeah, uh, Fleetwood Mac, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, they're all yeah, watered down. Yeah. REM was one of that was on my list of twenty-five, but I didn't go as early as you did. Although I do love the earlier stuff, I don't know them as well. Uh, right. The first, song, I think, the first song I ever heard by REM was the. South Central Rain. Yeah, still one of my favourites. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, a, that's a great song. Which album was that on again? Was that on Fables or was that on Reckoning? Uh, Reconstruction. Yeah, sorry, Fables. it's on Reckoning, but it's on, it's on Reckoning, the second one. No, right, okay. <laughs> right. And a trivia note here, I've been a Falkirk fan, you know, we've never mentioned football often, but Falkirk used to play in those days at a ground called Brockville. And, of course, I used oh, to try and... Yeah. I used to try to adapt the, the REM anthem uh, as we were soundly beaten most weeks uh, yeah. to don't go, don't go back don't to, go Brockville. to Brockville. Yeah. Wait another year. But as I was possibly the only REM, one of maybe 20 REM fans in that Hands. entire, it, it kind of fell in deaf ears and I, I tended to be regarded as a bit of a weirdo who was making up his own songs. But I digress. <laughs> how well, many people traditionally my... turn up at Falkirk? This is the important question. To see Sorry? how much of a minority. What was that? How many people turn up at the average Falkirk game? Yeah, it's still about four thousand. You know, it's still quite. Oh, so twenty out of four thousand is not. A, I mean, that's that. Yeah, that, that that's that's a small <laughs> number. If it had been a few hundred, then you you know. Yeah, we'll take that. Okay. Well, if I, if I had REM, I did have them on my list of 25 or so. I plumped for an, an era that you probably wouldn't have liked, which is the, the one when they did become big. I'm talking green. I'm talking um, out of time. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the order. Is it green, out of time, and automatic for the people? Oh, Which, of course, is their massive okay. one with yeah. everybody hurts and the. Yeah. I mean, I didn't uh, dislike them. They just were, I, I just stopped buying them for some reason, and that was. That was always the reason, you know. I, I just didn't want them that much. Yeah, maybe it is inverted snobbery. Who knows? Yeah. Right, okay, REM. So, Pete? Golden's just got off the door. Go and get a glass of water, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess my choices are going to come as no surprise because I've just chosen five bands that I'm a huge monster fan of and, and have gone for their runs. So I'll just go for your first one, then. Yeah, It'll go on, be... tell me who my first one is. Is it Yes. Yes. It is. Oh, so, um, no, well, it's, well, I've got, okay. So, listen, I love prog. So, I've gone for prog because that, and I'm fine with that because I don't have to be, I don't have to apologize. There's a lot of us. So, I've gone for <laughs> from inverted um, snobbery to real snobbery. Prog. I don't give yeah. a, you know what? I don't give a shit. You don't give a toss. I, I, <laughs> I don't give even the vaguest, tiny little. Scintilla of a shit. Uh, oh, language, Timothy. What? <laughs> the language, Timothy. <laughs> anyway, so I've gone for the Yes album, Fragile, and Close to the Edge, which anybody who is a prog fan and anyone who's a Yes fan, they will say that is their three-album run. Most people say that Close to the Edge, which is 1972, is um their peak um i disagree i think that yes album is um and fragile but what i, I think for me and you know joking aside that two in 1971 and one in 1972 so not only was it a three album run it was a three album run in the space of 18 months and whether you like the music or not and i totally get that a lot of people don't the creativity and the musicianship in those three albums is absolutely brilliant. And and the Yes album, you know, I've I've, I've had this conversation before. Half of that still gets played live now. Um, and it was Steve Howe's first album. It was absolutely the antithesis of third album syndrome. You know, one and two were okay. Yes, and time and a word. But this was when they really hit the straps. This was when they discovered themselves as a band. Fragile was Rick Waitman's first album. They went into the practice rooms. They wrote Roundabout in one day. And when you look at how complex Roundabout is, that says how good they were as musicians. And then Close to the Edge, which was Bull Brufford's last album, So that because it was his birthday today, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So, so it's, everybody knows that, yeah. Right. So, it's, so, uh, so Bill Bruford is kind of like... That for me, he's he's one of my best. He's one of my favourite drummers, um, and he, you know, he kind of went out on a high um, with that. And it, it, you know, Eddie offered as producer. Um, the the production values are fantastic. The songs are great, and I think that you know, for me, it's if I could only pick one three album run, that's the three album run I'd choose. So it, that was a okay. really a really really easy pick. You, you you jest there, Gordon, but I did actually know it was Bill Brufford's birthday because I played a song by them on the radio this morning. Really? Well, I wish you would have told me that it was actually my anniversary. 
which I forgot. Oh no! And I've had a a, a a testicle kicking for all day because I did not remember it was my thirty second wedding anniversary. Can I, oh, can, can I give you a small word of advice? The one big, the, the, the good decision I made was we got engaged on my birthday and married uh, on my wife's birthday. She, and by getting married on my wife's yeah. birthday, I was not going to forget the both. Oh, no. Well done. No. That was, a, that was a piece of good planning. Was that first marriage, second marriage, third marriage? Or I've only been get married it? once, you cheeky. Right. Yes, it was first marriage. <laughs> I thought you'd maybe learn through, you no, know. No, 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 no. It was no. I, I just thought I know that this goes badly wrong, and you end yeah. up running around a petrol station and buying some crappy daffodils before you've had your backside kicked all around the house. I yeah. thought I'm not going in for that nonsense. So, or anyway. a testicle, by the sound of it. Well, yes. I, I, I can't possibly comment on the testicle. No. It's our anniversary. It's Sarah and I's anniversary on on Sunday, actually. Funnily enough. Coincidentally, um, now he's being a smart ass because he remembered. Does that make you feel yeah. even worse, Gordon? Yeah. Sorry about that, Gordon. <laughs> anyway, so Pete has given us surprise, surprise, yes. Surprise, yes. Uh, he's talked about prog fans, he's talked about yes fans. What about music fans, though? Music fans who appreciate good musicianship like prog. People who like right. tunes like pop. It's fine. I like both. I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on. I'm going to choose yes over anybody, anytime. And you have done. And that's and I did. That's, that's my number yeah. one. I wouldn't yeah. have known the three necessarily, to be honest. Uh, they weren't in my 25, I must confess. I, However, one band that are, um, and I, I was almost, almost, I was tempted to have a podcast on this artist actually and i've been, i've gone for the jam Ooh, you yeah. know um i'm a big new wave punk new wave fan now the jam first album was okay um but i've gone for their second their third and their fourth now the second album is this is the modern world which didn't get a great it, it's always no, underrated it's in time, my yeah it's time to be that yeah and at the time, and the, the the third album is All Mod Cons, which is, I think, recognised probably as... Yeah, well, and when it came out, yeah, yeah. And, and when it came out, too. And then Setting Suns, Setting which, which came again, out... Which, again, quite loaded, yeah. I remember reading four-star reviews. Yeah, and they, they'd all... I mean, the one... This is the Modern World came out. It, they all, funny enough, they all came out in November. 77, 78, and 79, uh, which really is unusual. Cool. The unusual thing about the, the first jam album or the second one, but the first of the three that I'm picking, this is a one was it had lyrics in it, which a lot of the new wave punk albums didn't didn't have. I think that's yeah. why people they didn't think it was very punky, very new wavy with yeah, lyrics. I mean Jimmy Percy was singing, Hurry up, Harry, we are going down the pub. Do you know yes. what I mean? So there, there was it possibly it was possibly no need to, to make that available to the general populace, you know, and no. uh, Wellers was always a wee bit more uh, cerebral, I think. Yeah, he was He was so, a great, he was he was a great lyricist. Was, he was a great songwriter. Yeah, was uh, there was more, I mean, In the City, I said, was a good album, and In the City was real, uh, the song In the City on the first album, real, their first mm -hmm. single, 
great song, great song. They had a, two or three good songs on it, but I think this is a modern world. It was, it was there was a more light and shade on it. It, it certainly, I think, a more melodic album, in my well, opinion. Colin, I'm quite surprised that you've you've put in all mod. Uh, this is a modern world, which would then mean that you're leaving uh, sound effects out. Yeah, see, I'm not. But like you were saying earlier on, I think once once <clears throat> a band had become famous and big, and by setting suns, they'd really hit the big time. Yeah. Before setting suns, all of their singles are released, and they all got to about fifteen, sixteen in the chart. Yeah. Suddenly, Eaton Rifles came out. Is that three. on Setting Suns? That's on Setting Suns, yeah, which is a good album. Um, yeah. And then uh, by the time you look to the other, uh, going underground and, and things like that, we're coming in top ten and number one, start. Yeah, they had, that. yeah that's yeah, their yeah. first number one single, Going Underground, and then Start, which was on Sound Effects, which yeah, resembled George Harrison's Tax Man on Revolver, yeah. slightly. Yeah. slightly. Um, but yeah, uh, again... I don't know. Once you've had number ones, it sort of changes the band. Yeah. And I, I think sound effects, although there were some great songs on there, I do love. It wasn't a bad song. Man in the Corner Shop, I really love. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few good songs on there. But the, the three that I've picked, This Is A Modern World uh, and All Mod Cons is my favourite. Down in the Tube Station Midnight is an absolute corker. Yeah. But there were a lot of Beatle influences on there as well, like with It's Too Bad. <laughs> um, that was that had the sort of uh, chiming guitars of a la She Loves You, actually. She Loves You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. It, sounds, it sounds like that. It's Too Bad. Um, what else was you're not watching on Facebook Live, Colin is now pretending to be a guitar. I just thought I'd well, share. For, for those listening on Spotify. I did make the sound. I tried to at least. <laughs> you did, but you're also air guitaring. There, or was, air a strumming, there guitar. was a strumming motion. Yeah, there was a strumming motion. It was. A they had a kinks, a kinks, kinks cover on it. In fact, they had cover on all of them. This is a modern world. Had heat wave. Uh, was it heat wave on that one? Yeah. No, in the midnight hour. In the midnight hour oh, was on. Know. This is a modern world. The Wilson Pickett song. Yeah, all mod cons. Ooh, not sure what that did. Heat wave was on setting suns. So I don't know whether it was a, a bit of a rushed, a rushed collection. I think Setting Suns was maybe originally meant to be like a concept album I was reading. Um, about three guys, three young boys who reunite after some unspecified war. There's yeah. a few tracks on it. You think, yeah, that, that figures. Little Boy Soldiers was on there. That could fit a burning well, the sky. Cover was very tough a war, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. yeah, Wasteland as well. Now, there's a few songs on there. Little Boy Soldiers. It's almost had about three or four different parts to the song, which I'm sure Pete would Pete would admire. Listen, if a song has got parts to it, I'm all over it. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, that's on Setting Suns and it's uh, Little Boy Soldiers. Anyway, I've gone for The Jam and their second, third and fourth albums. So we're back to you, Gordon. Okay. Right, I've, I've got mm, some of my big hitters in here and uh, the, the next one I'm going to go to is one of the ones that Pete was, was talking about that could easily have had a six. In fact, I had toyed with going with this gentleman's first three albums, which were Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, The Wild Dennis and the Street Shuffle, and then famously Born to Run, where the whole world exploded uh, for him. Uh, but I haven't. I've actually went for the, the trilogy that that followed that, so I've went for Darkness in the Edge of Town, uh, the River, and Nebraska. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the uh, Darnus Nedu Town was obviously famously born of frustration, as they say, because he was locked into a, a court battle with his former manager, Mike Capel. He had been precluded from recording anything for two, nearly three years. Um, and his, his whole world was like courtrooms and lawyers and that. I mean, the anger and Darnus Nedu Town, he never sounded that sort of stripped down and, and uh, you know, strong and, and almost vengeful again. You know, he all, by the time the river came round, he was much more popular and, and lighter in tone and had singles like Hungry Heart uh, and, uh, I mean, stuff, fluff like you can look, but you better not touch. And, uh, I, I'm a rocker and I just throw away stuff. There was there was no throwaway stuff on Dark Snedgy Town as well. It was beaten no. down, depressing. In fact, the only kind of light moment in the whole song, if you like, or uplifting uh, album is probably the end of uh, Racing in the Street. Right in the street. A, yeah, a beautiful melody that plays out and it's very soft in that. But really the rest of the album is like immensely angry and, uh, you know, the band is just, I mean, even Clemens, there's hardly any Clemens saxophone in it to lighten it down. He's hardly on that album because it just didn't fit in with the songs. Uh, so as I say, he went for that to River, which was a, a great double. I mean, some of my favourite Springsteen uh, yeah, songs are like Independence Day and uh, uh, the River itself and Drive All Night. Uh, so Cadillac I mean, the, I do Cadillac, Cadillac Ranch, Hungry uh, oh. Heart, which was famously written for the Ramones, I believe, uh, and then John Landau. Yeah, John Landau says, where are you going with that? You're not giving that away. You've already given away because of the night. So that's <laughs> not going anywhere. Um, so, I mean, th- that was a, a second one. I remember it coming out, going out, purchasing it that week, playing it to death. And then they followed up with Nebraska, which was, you know, a massive, just a, a, a demo tape, basically. which giant, it, from the yeah. But back, back in his pocket, for uh, months on end, and he never he, he never did anything with it. It was meant to be demos for the East Street Band, uh, and of course, when they started playing them, they he's decided that they sounded a lot worse. So they mm. just put it as it was, uh, and again, that was you know a total departure for him. But still, you put it on the, now, and it just sounds as fresh as it did then. Yeah. yeah. I think the interesting thing, and I mean, we did the Springsteen show, didn't we? I mean, I love the yeah. River; it's my favourite Springsteen album. And the, actually, the River song itself, again, is a longer song and it tells a story. So again, it ticks all of my boxes. But I think one of the things I've realised since we did the show and listening to more stuff, he did kind of keep it reinventing himself, didn't he? Not in the way that Bowie reinvented himself. I know he didn't. But, but the yeah. sounds, so like Nebraska is, yeah, that's a really good example because Darkness on the Edge yeah. of Town, The River and Nebraska are three completely different albums by the yeah. same artist. And and the, the Wild Dennis and the East Street Shuffle is, 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 is much more jazz-infused. Yes. And it, never, it never sounded that light and sort of, you know, jazzy again. And then Born to Run was, you know, what they said, melted down Crystal Records. Yeah, that, was, that was what it was fueled by. Uh, so... Yeah, it was a great three. Uh, to me, it went off the rails with Born in the USA. And again, that, you know, that whole thing that it went global with that. And it was just maybe a wee bit too polished for me. And I didn't like it. I had that 80s production, didn't it? 
yeah, that's that Marmite thing. And, you know, you either you really like that or yeah. you really don't. And I have to say, well, yes, because they did all of that stuff then in the 80s with Owner of a Lonely Heart. And that's my mm. least favourite period because it's exactly the same. It's the production. It's popped up to make it more appeal to other people. And I just, I, I'm like you at that level. I would rather listen to the stuff that's from the heart. Yeah. And, and they didn't need to go for that big production. They're a big sounded band anyway, you know, but... Yeah. They might talk the drums and the keyboard was much more of the four and it just kind of lost it for me. Never really got back to that level, but uh, they were they were heady days, as the same with those three and the three before it. So that's my uh, one. His voice is it's getting getting better, isn't it? As he gets older, I think almost. Have you heard the covers album? The covers album that he had out in the last year. Only the strong survive. Uh, mm-hmm. It's part one I was reading. There's obviously going to be a part two, oh, I'm assuming. Yeah. He's always been uh, good with his covers, you know. I remember you yeah. always, uh, we got them in bootleg, but he always done stuff like Then She Kissed Me, The Pretty Flamingo. He always done a lot of the English sort of invasion yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's always had a, a, a thing with covers and he's done the Pete Seeger album. But you're right, he's, he sounds, you know, a lot. Some of them take that nice That's sort of good. Yeah. Doing that, the uh, the oh, what's it called? Uh, I, indeed, I do. Uh, do I love you? Indeed, I do. I can't remember the yeah. Wilson, somebody Wilson, wasn't it? Frank Wilson, was it the first guy? Um, and no, a lot of stack stuff. Uh, he did, he did Commodore's Night Shift and stuff like that. So his voice even done, really... Who thought that Commodore's song was there was a tune there? You know, I mean, it wasn't until he done <laughs> I didn't it. Mind, I, didn't mind, to be fair, I didn't mind the original song, but now his version is superb. It is superb. Right, Pete, from yes to... I'm going for another massive hitter, um, Led Zeppelin. And you. this is one where the first six albums are all so good that you can go one, two, three, two, three, four, three, four, five, four, five, six, and all of them are runs, and then they went off a cliff. Um, They do yeah, they did seven, eight, seven, eight, and the live album, which stank the place out. But mm. um, uh, yeah, always gave me the runs. Sorry, yeah, yeah, I know you're not a fan, but <laughs> we're not here to talk about things that other people are fans of. We're here to talk about. <laughs> um, so I have gone finally for Run roll, uh, two, three, and four, because Ooh. I don't think I don't think Houses of the Holy is quite as good. So I can't go for. Houses of the Holy, and then Physical Graffiti, physical graffiti. which is my favourite. So, and the debut, there's no place for the debut. Please. There is no the, the debut album is brilliant as a debut album, but I don't think I looked at all the tracks and I thought, what are the ones I really like, and the ones that are always in my mind as a massive Zep fan. And I just thought, you know, and again in such a short space of time, sixty nine, seventy, seventy one. So Led Zepp 2, you've got Whole Lot of Love, you've got Heartbreaker, you've got Ramble On, and you've got What Is, What Should and Never Should Be. And then Led Zepp 3, you've got Immigrant Song, which is my favourite. You've got Since I've Been Loving You, which is you know, a brilliant blues album, uh, song. You've got Celebration Day, you've got Gallows Pole, and then Led Zepp 4, every single track a gem. And so, you know, there is, there's not a bad track on that album, whether or not you like Led Zeppelin or whether you like the sounds, that album's faultless. And so as a kind of bookend to those first albums before you then got to Physical Graffiti, which you could argue a strong case to say one of the two albums is as good as Led Zeppelin 4. 
Um, but I just think, you know, it, it, and the other thing about it is if you go back to, yes, you know, they, they were, there were changes of personnel right the way through those three albums and they were kind of finding their feet. Zeppelin just hit the ground running with Led Zepp one and right the way through to the end, it was just the four of them doing what they did. And whether you like what they did or not, you can't argue with their place in music history and those well, those six albums, but the, the three I've chosen, they just, you know, they they, impit- they epitomise hard rock, blues rock, and what we did so well in this country, you know, and, and that invasion of, of the States with, you know, that kind of music, and you can lob on the back of it UFO and Uriah Heep and all the other bands that were kind of of a similar, similar sound, um, you know, Deep Purple. But... Um, but I think, you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't do this show without doing without doing three Zeppelins and having looked at all of the different permutations, I feel two, three, and four of them is 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 the best run. So and we wouldn't have it any other way, Pete. Well, you probably would, but I don't care. So No. Not <laughs> at all. Um yep. What's for so, like, even yes. I like song. Huh? Even, even I like the immigrant song. Yeah, it's 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 just a, it's just a really good rock song, you know. Yeah. All right, on to me. I'm just going to get this over with. I'm going. It's not the Beatles. I've said it's not the Beatles. Who else could it be? But uh, South London's finest. It's going to be status quo, isn't it? It's yeah. going to be the quo. It's going to be oh, the mighty. Yes. <laughs> But which which three done. of their done. nine thousand seven hundred albums are you going to choose? Well, is it the experimental? Is it the experimental ones, Colin? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What you mean when they went all Tangerine Dream? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, there's sort of a crowd rocking one. Unlike, unlike, yes, I would say probably this this lot have got to be. One of the least pretentious bands ever. They just know what they're good at. Um, and the the peak period for me was in the seventies. Another one of those bands, dare I say it, that when they got into the eighties, went a little bit production and uh, became almost, again, dare I say it, almost a bit of a party band. You dare, you dare say it. I dare, I've dared, I've dared to say it. Although they still had some great tunes in there. I'm going for their, I think their peak period. So I'm going for the first three albums they released on the Vertigo record label. They were on Pi up until 71. They switched to Vertigo in 72. Uh, At Pi, I think they complained that the volume would overload their input, the input levels apparently on the recording desk. So they, Vertigo took them over. Now at Vertigo, they were able to bring their touring gear into the studios and record live at stage levels. And it was a much stronger sound. This is probably their heaviest period. The first of those three albums was Piledriver. I was going to say, okay. is, so is this three starting with Piledriver? Okay. First three starting with Piledriver with the obligatory photo on the cover of 
the heads down, no nonsense, mindless boogie live hair down, you know, in front of the drum kit uh, sleeve. Don't waste my time. Started the album, which is, I suppose, trademark shuffle style became a live favorite as did big fat mama as did a version of it's the first time i'd heard this song actually the doors song roadhouse blues closed the album yeah i mean it went on for about eight minutes and the live version went on for longer but the yeah i don't think the Doors song was anywhere near that's probably only half as long um and but they had softer moments as well they had a year they had unspoken words had all the reasons and their first well, not their first, actually, but I had a big top 10 single with Paper Plane as well, which is probably, on balance, one of my top two quo songs. The next album was Hello, which was in 73, which was the first rock album that I and my brother, we both went in to get, to buy. That's the first rock album that we bought in 73. Uh, it was it was at Chew and Osborne in Epping. You know it well, I'm sure, Pete. I remember it well. Epping High Street, Chew and Osborne. It was filed, I've said this many times, it's true. It was filed under progressive rock status quo, uh, which is very strange, given yes. Were they never rock. made any progress. No, they never made any <laughs> progress. Very true. Um, but we, I love them for it anyway. And hello, yeah, again. Caroline was a top five hit, their first top five hit. It was a number one album, first of four of their albums to top the chart. Uh, what else? 4,500 Times is on there. That's a great song. The last, yeah, the last song on the album, which again yeah. is extended to about 15 minutes, I think, live. Yeah, Roll Over, Lay Down, which opened the album. Funny enough, and again, a, a live staple. We went in, you, in these days, and you can still go into record shops and you actually can listen to it on the turntable. Uh, on, yeah. with the headphones on or whatever you can do that still and we listened to roll over lay down i listened to it I, I wasn't really into it too much but then the next track which is a track i really loved just a more countryfied still had a bit of the bluesy shuffle 12 12 a bluesy sort of feel to it but it's a bit more countryfied a song called claudie that was the second track on and that made me get the album so that was hello and the third album was quo which came out in 74, which is, I think, their heaviest album ever. All of these were produced by the band. Not the most uh, creative but, title, to be honest. What, Quo? No, they, probably not. They had to put all their energy into varying the songs, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> is that why it was Led Zepp 1, Led Zepp 2 and Led Zepp 3? Yeah, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> At least Led Zeppelin 4 wasn't called Led Zeppelin 4, was it? <laughs> no, it was untitled. Right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, Quo, Quo was their, well, I don't know what <laughs> yeah. number it was actually, but it was, a, it was a third in the sequence, made number two. Uh, the bassist, Alan Lancaster, had a, had a co-write in at least six, I think, out of the eight songs. I think that's why it feels a real heavy, heavy, heavy album. There's another sort of a attempt at a sort of country-ish song with fine, fine, fine. But, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I could, I mean, they, they went on with uh, On okay. the Level and Blue For You followed it as well. So, you know, they, I could have... Well, they, had the they did a five-album run, didn't they? That was, well, then that... Status Quo Live, which, again, isn't a particularly original name, mm. um, but that's what it was called. And they were made for that. It's only after that that they didn't produce their albums and... 
I don't know. They went a they slightly more popular. They chased Thatcher, didn't they, really? Yeah, they did. And they had them. They've had more hits than yeah, any other band. I, don't, I think that's what they want to do. Yeah. Well, that's enough of Quo. Right, come on in, Gordon. How can you match that? I can't. I can't. I, can't. I mean, Springsteen no, really seems like a poor relative uh, after the mighty Quo. Uh, mm. What I'm going to go uh, is uh, a favourite band of mine, and uh, I've often re- repeated the, the, the tale of putting their their debut album on track one, side one, and being uh, puzzled by the sound of a radio dial going through various stations and picking up snippets of various songs. I know this one. Yeah, before a rummy rummy accent uh, shouts, Big Jimmy, ow, for God's sake, burn it down. That was a bit of rummy. And these horns just blew out in my speakers, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is something else." So it's Dexys, as you might under as you might have got for that, and yeah. the first three albums, Sex and Funny Young Soul Rebels, which was not just even an album; it was a look, it was a, a style, it was an attitude. Uh, famously, Kevin didn't like the hippie press, as he called it. Wouldn't do interviews. Uh, and after the, the success of sort of Gino and they're there, my dear, uh, two hit singles off it, kind of retreated with the band and then they sort of worked out and uh, done gym stuff and tried to make a second album and then imploded and his co-writing partner, uh, Al Archer, left. Uh, and it was a totally different Dexys that came for the second album which is controversial. A lot of people don't like it because it has the elephant in the room on it, which is Come On Eileen, which is one of these polarising songs. I have Twitter friends who refer to it as a novelty song, as if it was like The Wombles or something, or Joe mm. Dolce. And I think it was just because its ubiquitousness just pissed off too many people at the time. It was just everywhere. But huge. the two that it was, it was huge. But the, the album was a totally different sound. Uh, there was there was fiddles, Helen O'Hara came in, they relegated the the brass somewhat down the mix. There was a Celtic feel, you could tell he had been overdosing, mainlining Van Morrison straight into his, his veins for it. And in fact, Van Morrison was asked to produce the album when they do it, truculent to the last Van as ever. But it was probably would have been the same album that was delivered, I think, whether Van had been twiddling the dials or not so they had this massive tour IA which on the back of Come On Eileen and Jackie Wilson said um, two big hit singles and even Let's Get This Straight For The Start which was a, a third single was as successful um, so it went, it went huge and then obviously he went away and he had to tear everything down as is Kevin's want he, he, he doesn't like to repeat himself so they came up with... A, it's like the quote, really. Mm, I like quote. The parallels are everywhere. Uh, and they came up uh, looking, as, as Muriel Grave famously described them, looking like double glazing salesmen. <laughs> uh, they came out with Brooks Brothers uh, shirts and slacks, like the whole Ivy League look. But the album that they brought was their, their, their 
masterpiece was Don't Stand Me Down. Stand Me Down, yeah. So. Which just contained, it didn't even contain any singles really, that they put This Is What She's Like out, which was eight minutes edited down to three minutes and totally destroyed the whole flow of the song. Uh, but they had knowledge of beauty, uh, songs like that, which were they were never going to be singles. So it was, it's a, it's one of the albums that's really hard to describe because it doesn't really fit into any musical genre, can they say? It's certainly not Celtic, in, well, Celtic in the sense that Tour IA was. Um, so it's Celtic and it's a, a very sort of Irish-themed album, but far more sort of subtle in, in the way it is. Uh, so that was, their, to me, still their high-water mark. Dexy's fans love it, that it's, it's universally accepted. Uh, you know, m- maybe the argument between that first one. Not too many Dexys fans love Tour IA, but I, I think it's been, um, you know, done down over the years because of the, the sort of old dungarees and the uh, raggle taggle gypsy look, which mm. hasn't really lasted that well, hasn't really worn that well, I would say, uh, to the detriment of the album. But that's that's my three on there. Searching for the Young Soul Rebels. To Rye and the tremendous Don't Stand Me Down. There was kind of live stuff put out in between, but they were like BBC radio broadcast type things. So I'm not, I'm not really counting them. I'm counting those. No, fair dues, fair dues. It's funny you say that though. That it's it's not they're not alone. I'm sure. Like you say, Come On Eileen was. I mean, Gino was number one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was but number one. Come On Eileen was. It's the song that you sort of. Yeah, for non-real Dexys fans like yourself, you think of "Come On Eileen" for Dexys. Isn't it, it? It it can't be coincidence that a lot of a lot of big fans of certain artists generally hate the song that has been the, the most the successful. Band, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Oliver's Army of Costellos, you know, or Born mm. to Run. Now has just been played to death on every single classics radio station. And uh, "Come On Eileen," if I never hear it again, you know wouldn't lose any sleep but every now and again when it comes on I think it was actually quite a good song and it was you know different and catchy but it turned into a wedding song and I think once once you turn into a wedding song there's you know you're basically you've got a slot what they call a slosh song up here it's one that everybody grannies mothers you know we kids everybody dances to it's like Shang Lang if you've ever been to a Scottish wedding that didn't have Shang Lang played Rollers. It wasn't Scottish people that were getting married. So it suffered from that. And it's a shame because it's a very good point you make, Colin, that sometimes the big, huge song um, is the one that the people really get cheesed off with listening to, you know. The thing with Bowie is Bowie had so many of them, you know. Mm. What one would you pick? Would you pick Heroes? Would you pick Under Pressure, you know? Would you pick Suffragette? So that's great if you have 10 or 15 massive hits. Mm. Whereas, you know, Dexys were like Soft Cell, who never really recovered for having Tainted Love as their first single, you know, it's sometimes no, it's a milestone that they just kind of yeah. get apart. Wasn't but even that, their song, was it? Wasn't even their no. song. It, isn't this, and you've used the term before in, in this show, isn't a little bit of that about inverted snobbery? Yeah. Isn't that about saying, I'm a big fan of the band, so I don't like the success of like them as well? I, don't I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me, as I say. I don't have any great need to hear it. I, I, when I when it comes on, I don't turn it off, you know. 
and I do turn off that side of the road, the bright side of the road with Van Morris mm. because it's so ubiquitous and it's so mm. it's like the man has had so many brilliant songs and some radio stations that's the only one of theirs that has that they can find to play. Yeah. Yeah, so no, I, no, I I'm, just, I'm just interested yeah. about the psychology of it, really. You know, yeah. it's, 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 I think it's sometimes it's ubiquitousness and sometimes it's snobbery. Yeah, yeah, yeah mate. You say that it had so many hits. It also helps, I suppose, to have so many hits that sound exactly the same. So you can't really dislike them all. Can you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about the biggest, <laughs> the biggest hit? No, I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, if. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Big fans of, say, Queen, for example, and of right. which Pete isn't one. I, I'm not sure about you, Gordon. Maybe you're no, not. I'm getting, no, no, no at all. No. Big fans of Queen, for example, do like Bohemian Rhapsody, which is probably their yeah. biggest song. Yeah. But I think it was anyway. also the peak as well, wasn't it? Well, well yeah, I, and I think so. also, you know, I, I mean, you know, I, I sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody when I'm in the car with Kizzy and we're driving from somewhere and we have a laugh doing it. But I think the issue with Bohemian Rhapsody is that because at the time it was so different, it, the production yeah. values, the fact that it was really the first music video that anybody remembers, I, I think so it, it, it stands apart whether or not you like the song and it is ubiquitous. It, it stands alone because it was so different and so groundbreaking at the time. Yeah, so I, 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 don't, I don't think that's really the same as some of those others. Colin, I'd be interested to hear what, what uh, Scott, I would venture that Quo's most famous single is not even one of theirs. No, it isn't indeed. <coughs> um, I would say that because they did get to number one with Down Down, Mm-hmm. It was sort of down, down, deeper and down. Da, da. But, uh, yeah, Rockin' All Over the World was, in fact, a John Fogarty yeah, song um, from Creedence. So, yeah, uh, everyone thinks it's one of those. that They, they just made it their own. They've they? Yeah, they've appropriated it. But there's yeah, so many. I mean, that's Manfred Man's Earth Band made Blinded by the Light their own. But that's a Springsteen song. So, it's you know, it's yeah, it, yeah, it, it happens, that it happens. all the time, isn't it? But, Talking of Bohemian Rhapsody, then Pete, on to you. It, it, it sort of segue nicely into your 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 run well, of three Queen albums. I, I, because I decided originally I was going to do all prog things just to annoy you, um, but then I decided not to because that would be churlish. So, but I, I wanted to go. I wanted to go with Genesis, but then I realised very annoyingly that I for, um, they haven't made one good album. Well, no, 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 no. Trespass wasn't very, wasn't Trespass wasn't very good. So I thought, right, I'm going to go with Nursery Crime, Foxtrot, and Selling England by the Pound because that, you know, that for most Genesis fans, that's your three. But then I realised that the execrable live album was in the middle of all that lot, and that of all of the live albums, and I think actually you got that for me as well, Gordon. If you didn't, I might have bought it in a charity shop somewhere. But um, it, it's terrible. Um, and every time I listen to it, which isn't very often, I think this is really not very good. And for a band as good as they were technically and from every other point of view, it's um, it's it's not good. So I've binned off Genesis oh, um, okay. and I will come I will come back to my other prog band later. So I am going to go with the production of Mr. Tom Dowd and I am going with the Allman Brothers. And I'm oh. going with um, 1971's At Fillmore East. I'm going with 1972's Eat a Peach and 1973's 
brothers and sisters. And the reason I've done that is because originally I was going to go with one, two, and three, so finishing with the Fillmore. Um, and I think when we did the live album show, I think a lot of people said, you know, that's in the top five live albums of all time in the rock idiom. Um, and I wouldn't argue with that. Um, but the first two albums were then repackaged as beginnings. Um, and I think de facto, if the two albums get repackaged into another double album, then that says that they're not classics, even though mm. I love every track on there. What was what was two? Uh, Orton Brothers Idle was one. Orton Brothers Idlewild South was two. Idlewild South, that's right. Yeah, and then they were repackaged as beginnings, and they were repackaged as beginnings to build on the success of Live at the Fillmore. Um, gotcha. But, but Live at the Fillmore's got all, I mean, I've got, I think I've got five or six Allman's live albums because they are very definitely a live albums band, you know, loads of their output. So um, the Atlanta Pops, um, I've got two live at the Beacon Theatres over various periods. I've got live at Ludlow Garage. So I've got loads of their stuff. But when you listen to it, I mean, they're basically a jam jamming band. Um and so on the film where you've got Stage for Blues, you've got Stormy Monday, Hotlanta, Memory of Elizabeth Reed, and then you've got Whipping Post, which is basically the whole of one side of one of the album. And then in Eat a Peach, they outdo themselves. Um, you've got Ain't Wasting Time No More, which is a beautiful song. Melissa, which is a, a, another lovely song. Trouble No More, which was always played in their live sets and is on one of the Greg Allman um, solo albums. Um and Blue Sky, but then Mountain Jam, which is basically two sides of the album, this massive, great 40-minute um, extended jam, which could have gone on for another three hours because that's basically the way they did. And then Brothers and Sisters, I guess, is the one that everybody knows because that's got Rambling Man on it, which was, I think was a single. It's certainly one of the songs that people who are not necessarily Allman's fans would know. It's got Come and Go Blues, which, again, is on one of the Greg Allman albums. Um Southbound, and then Jessica, which obviously is known as the Top Gear um, uh, music, amongst others. And it also has Jelly Jelly, which I think you played on your show for me a few months ago, which for me is one of the most brilliant bits of kind of honky-tonk piano um, or bluesy honky-tonk piano uh, that's ever been put on record. Um, all produced by Tom Dowd. Um, and um, I just think those three albums... Yeah, yeah, they were that they that that was the band at their peak. Um, you know, the original, the original band, the creative center of the band. And I mean, they, they produced some good stuff after Brothers and Sisters. I think I've talked about one of the Win, Lose, or Draw we talked about on the seventy-five podcast. I think maybe um, mm -hmm. or seventy-four, whenever it was. Um, and yeah, they produced some good stuff. I mean, they're brilliant at what they do. But I think those three albums, as a run of three, are untouchable. So, Fillmore East, Eat Peach, and Brothers and Sisters. Brothers and Sisters. Brothers and Sisters. Okay. All right, on to me. And I'm going for, I don't know, an artist that you might not think I'd have. I don't know. Maybe you would. I'm going for the first three albums by a band that originated not that far from where I'm sitting at this moment in time in Canvey Island. Essex. Oh. The Feel Good. And Dr. Feel Good, yeah. So good Ooh. that Motley Crue named a song after them, possibly. They did. <laughs> I still think 
that Dr. Feelgood, if they ever, well, I mean, not many of them left now, I suppose. They're probably still going, aren't they? Uh, should, have a, a, should have a song called Motley Crue, shouldn't they, really? Anyway, I'm going for Down by the Jetty, which came out in January 75. Uh, it was their debut album. It was a black and white. It was all black and white affair, as was the second one, actually. Black and white affair. It was released in mono, which was unusual in those days, obviously. Um, the sound was... I mean, it was a great influence. I mean, Paul Weller, Bob Geldof, yeah. both influenced by Down by the Jetty, uh, as have Blondie, uh, the Ramones, uh, Richard Hell, uh, all of whom were introduced to the album by Clem Burke, who's a drummer for Blondie. Um, in fact, a copy of the album Sleeve can be spotted on the Style Council album, Our Favourite Shop. Mm. Well, um, in 85. Uh, Uncut had it as 87th on a list of 100 greatest debut albums. I mean, all the, most of the songs, all the originals certainly are by Wilco Johnson, the late, great Wilco Johnson, who had a unique style of playing the guitar. And the classics, like She Does It Right, Rock Set, All Through the City, uh, which, which had the term Down by the Jetty in the lyrics as well. The second album, Malpractice, was released in October 75 and, and at Olympic Studios again. Uh, also a black and white sleeve, apart from the uh, red word malpractice. Got to number 17 in the UK chart, which is the first time they charted. Um, and I don't their, their sort of um, success of the album probably was a gauge in the change in the musical climate. I mean, they had drainpipe suits, they had the short hair, they had the surly demeanour. They were as influential as any band. At but the subtly, subtly is not an up, menacing more than subtly, I would have said. Well, maybe menacing is a better word. Maybe. Um, <laughs> only six scary. out of the 11 songs were Wilco Johnson songs on this, plus a couple of covers, uh, well, a few covers. I can tell, Rolling and Tumbling, Watch Your Step, the Bobby Parker song. Uh, Don't You Just Know It? which someone had a cover of in the 80s. Amazulu had a version of it, didn't they? Uh, it's a Huey Piano Smith song anyway. And, of course, the classic Riot in Cell Block number 9. And their third album, which uniquely I think you'll find, uh, it was a live album. I'm including a live album in there. Was their, was their biggest hit. It made number one. So their first number one album was live, and it was Stupidity. Uh, they were I didn't a classic. Know live. Number one. No, I didn't know that made number one. Yeah, it was number one. In fact, it was the first live album to top the chart in its first week. Mm. And they hadn't had any hit singles up to that point as well, which is another unique. Oh, that was a thing. They never had any hit singles to Wilco left, didn't they? No, nah, they had, a, uh, I think, Sneaking Suspicion probably a few years when later. Was, um, when was Down at the Doctors and Milk and Alcohol? Were they later? They would have been, they would have been 78, yeah, 79. Yeah. Stupidity was September 76. Um, it didn't have any single on it, of course. Um, so number one album with no single on it whatsoever. That year, there was one other album that matched that as well. Got to number one and didn't have any single on it. Do you remember the TV show Rock Follies? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. With Julie Covington and yeah. uh, Rudy Charlotte Cornwall. Charlotte Cornwall, that's it. Uh, well, that went to number one and didn't have a single on it either. 
And uh, NME had it as number 267 in their 500 greatest albums of all time. A lot of covers on the live album as well. Talking about you, Stupidity itself was a Solomon Burke song. I'm a man by the Diddleys. Uh, Walking the dog, I'm a hog for you, baby, uh, which is a Lieber Stoller song. And checking up on your baby was a Sonny Boy Williamson song. So they sort of preempted the new wave sound for me. And the fact that they came from South End was, you know, neither here nor there. But yeah, I did love those three albums. Was, they were the Essex's finest. Essex's finest, yeah. And the island. But uh, it was a tremendous album. I occasionally get a copy of it for people and I'll clean it up and play it. It's always a joy. You just Which one? It's more of the, the live one, stupidity. Yeah. Oh, the stupidity, yeah. It's more of a, I would say, it's like, like a, it's <clears throat> hard to describe any Dr. Feelgood album as a symphony, but it, it's like a mood, you know, it just starts at track one and goes all the way. It doesn't necessarily have to change the songs, you know, it's just a sound. And mm. I always just love it for the whole sort of feel of the album, you know. It's just many as a vinyl dealer yourself, um, yeah, the, I, I think, I'm sure I remember getting a, a free, it was a bonus track, two-track single that came with with the album, with Riot and Silver Lock number nine, and I think Johnny Be Good was the other song on there, I off the top of my head. Right, yeah. yeah. But rarely, it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting. You, track. you can go down a very deep Dr. Feelgood rabbit hole on YouTube. They're one of those bands where loads of their live stuff is on there. There's quite a bit of it in black and white, some yeah. stuff in colour. But I remember being up at my business partner Ralph's place, oh, it must have been last year sometime, and we basically just had a night where we watched Dr. Fe after we got back from a curry and several beers and a couple of bottles of wine. Uh, we then settled down and watched... Uh, Dr. Fieldwood and Rory Gallagher all night from various esoteric places. And there's loads on there for, for, for feel-good fans. Mm. Loads. Excellent. All right. Gordon, uh, up to Bonnie Bridge. Right. And in and, and that very appealing cod Scottish accent that you've just showed us there, Colin, because <laughs> I am now going to pick a Scottish band. Uh and, and and from my what I term my jingly jangly high points, you know, when I was listening to anything where a guitar was played very high, on, on like haircut one hundred style. Uh, yeah, John Lennon did that, didn't he? In the sixties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously orange juice uh, and high, um, um, especially haircut one hundred seemed to be playing them at the back of their neck almost they were that high. Mm. A floppy fringe and a fringe jacket uh, got my attention, so I'm going to go for um, a band not far from from where we are. They hail the they I say he hailed from East Kilbride, uh, uh, the one and only Roddy Frame. Aztec camera, I can say it's Scotland. Aztec. Yeah, poet laureate. So Aztec heart camera with the never bettered, if I'm honest, uh, debut Highlands Hard Rain, one of the, one of the three great uh, debut albums at, at all time, in, in my opinion, uh, along with Costello's and Dex's. And 
I would say that, as I say, for a, a young guy to write those songs when he was 15 and 16, just doesn't even bear thinking about it. No, mm. no, I'm, I was roughly the same age as him. And, you know, uh, speaking you could to barely girls. string two sentences <laughs> together. Yeah, yeah speaking, yeah. speaking to girls with it, you know, <clears throat> spitting on them or uh, saying something vaguely embarrassing was as much as I could muster in those days. But he managed to, to, to have an album that just stood the test of time. It hasn't really dated very much, even though it was of that sort of 80s sort of jingle jangle period because the production wasn't particularly, you know, uh, an 80s production. He then went and controversially, uh, and to this day some people can't see why he done it, he went with Mark Knopfler to produce his next album, which I don't really? know if many people knew that, yeah. Uh, so he went to Highland Hard Rain, which had oblivious walk out of winter, the bugle calls again down the dip, all these tremendous songs. And the second one was was called Knife, um, and it had all I need is everything, a couple of sort of hit singles on it, and it was it was smoother. Again, Mister Knopfler kind of you know, as you would expect, probably highlighted the musicianship. And Roddy is still to this day my favourite guitar player. Uh, and he, as I say, that some of the rough edges were, were knocked off, but it's not enough to, to, to blunt it, blunt the knife uh, completely. Wow. See what I did there, right? Yeah, uh, and at, at that time, he also, live, was a tremendous act. And my favourite cover the all time, and I've mentioned it on this show before, was the way he just absolutely rips a new arse out of uh, Van Halen's jump in a nine-minute sort of frenzied guitar solo at the end, which is just has to be heard to be believed. Mm. Uh, but that was that wasn't on the album, sadly. It was on the twelve inch single, it was on the B side of All I Need Is Everything released off the album. Um, and then he changed tack again. I think he went to America and he listened to a lot of sort of hip hop producers and got a lot of um, ideas from then and he brought out probably his most commercially successful album was called Love. I was gonna say uh, maybe he might then had success with that one yeah, then did he with uh, Somewhere in My Heart on there wasn't Somewhere it? Somewhere in my heart, how men are, you know, uh, beautiful stuff like Killermont Street, which is a street in Glasgow just outside the bus station. Uh so it, it was one of these guys that could just do everything. I, I, I sometimes think he suffered the curse of being almost too talented, you know. Uh, and like some of these other, I know tragedies. how it feels. I know how it feels. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a burden for you, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he, he never quite got to, you know, first division sort of in terms of his profile and and how he uh, how he was perceived. It's strange because a lot of people in that industry really rated him. You know, Costello was a huge fan. A lot of people. You know, thought he had the talent to go all the way. I don't know why his career sort of derailed. Um, he still made great albums after that, uh, but never got anywhere near that level of um, commercial success again, which was a shame. And the last album was very of of its time, even though it had these American producers that had that big sort of slapping drum sound and, and that, that um, American production values all over it. Uh, which I would actually I liked. I heard them re-recording a lot of these songs and just doing them in the, in the style of sort of Highland Hard Rain. 
but he's never really put out a live album, strangely enough, uh, with all his best stuff. So that's my uh, uh, triumvirate, triumvirate there. So Highland have Rain, Night, and, and Love. Aztec and love. Presumably, Knopfler only stayed around for the one album. Just he did, and and, and Roddy Frame never, you know, denigrated him and, or or said, well, the album never came out the way that. Uh, that it should have or anything like he was quite happy with the production I think maybe there was just a he wanted to step up the level of musicianship certainly it's a lot more polished and um, you know Highland Hard Rain but and there was quite a gap though was it between that and the love when he came back with a big yeah big he, went, he went he had been away but he was he always sort of went to three years or something yeah yeah um, and it was a shame because it's a long time in pop music but he came back and had loads of hits uh, but they were very, very poppy. They were very poppy and, and mm. tend not to be the, the ones that are coveted, if you like, the Aztec camera fans. So yeah. I think he's a very underrated musician. As is always the way, as, as we as we yeah. said before. Said, yeah. Big hits, yeah. Uh, so right. very underrated. Peter. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with my other non-prog one and i'll finish with a bit of prog um so i'm going with steely dan so three gary katz produced albums um i love steely dan i uh, you know uh, even their worst album which i think is gaucho is better than most people's great albums um i think they're pretty faultless but i've gone with um 1972's Can't Buy a Thrill was the debut album, right. 1973's Countdown to Ecstasy, and 1974's Pretzel Logic. Now, interestingly, and I was doing some read because I love all of these albums, um, and although I don't have Pretzel Logic yet because that's on my dealer's list, um, but the um, but reading kind of like the background to some of these, for reasons which are beyond me, apparently Countdown to, um, Countdown to Ecstasy was not brilliantly well received by the music critics they loved can't buy a thrill and then when pretzel logic came back out they went oh yeah this is a return to form and countdown to ecstasy wasn't as popular countdown to ecstasy has boston rag showbiz kids my old school and body Zappa on it all of which are classic songs and on all of their greatest hits albums um showbiz kids is one of my favourite Steely Dan songs because it's the first song I can remember which had bad words in and made me snigger when I was younger. Um, mm -hmm. And um, the Can't Buy a Thrill's got Do It Again. I mean, you know, what a great song. Um, mm -hmm. Dirty Work, Reeling in the Years, again, you know. Reeling in the Years, I think it's really interesting. It's one of the, you know, can you name another song which starts with a guitar solo? You know, it's it's a very unusually constructed song, and I think it's just underlines how how brilliant they were as musicians and how outside the box they looked at music. Because it's a real, you know, it's it's, it's jazz, it's rock, it's pop. It, I mean, it's a whole bunch of different sounds. Um, and as they then got as they matured and got older or, or changed, you know, it became more jazzy and more laid back, maybe. But they're just brilliant musicians. And Pretzel Logic's got. Um, Decent Louis Toodaloo on it, any major dude, Pretzel Logic itself, and of course, Ricky Don't Lose That Number, which I think was their biggest hit. Was it their biggest hit? Over here. 
I think Hayes oh, was, was the biggest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I think that made the top 20. I think it's the only one that made the top 20. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was I always wondered why. Game. But yeah, then yeah. between Pretzel Logic and the Royal Scam was. Um, Katie Lloyd. Katie Lloyd. Yeah. Which I don't. I mean, it's good, but I don't like it as much. Um, so. Um, uh, and, and also, Pretzel Logic was the last one which um, had got the full five piece lineup because then. Um, Skunk Baxter went off and joined the Doobies, and um, so you basically got it, it was Becker and Fagan and Dias and Hodder and, and Baxter. Baxter left, um, and then it was basically Becker and Fagan, and then they went on later on. So when they did the Royal Scam, that was um, Steve Gadd on drums, and he kind of then was the uh drummer. And when had, we did, had drum- you noticed that drums reference before, Pete? Which one? Skunk went off and joined the Doobies. Uh, yeah, I, uh, very good. <laughs> no, it, it, it was quite deliberate. I, I, I'd hey, telegraph that for I ages. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, that. no, I didn't see that one coming a while. Um, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, three album Skunk. run. So Skunk sounds bassist of the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something. It's a sort of you know Skunk. Um, that's split, isn't it? Yeah, I know it is. Yeah, I was joking. If um, you, you know their their emphasis on looking at music backwards, very very proficient at what they do. Controversially for me, was this? Is it a bit prog light? Do you think it's sort no. of progish, isn't it? No, yeah, it's, it, it's in that dangerous sort of you know cusp of prog and jazz. I think, and it um, really isn't. It really isn't. It's it, there's there's nothing prog about them at all. It's it's totally jazz. It might it, it's it's jazz and and pop rock, but it's brilliant. I, don't yeah, I like the singles. I love the singles, but uh, I, I don't own any of their albums, even though I play them quite a wee bit when I'm when I'm test playing them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, the ones I like, I really like, but I, and but a whole album's never clicked for me. And I've played all of those ones that you said. Well, they, I, I just find them incredibly easy to listen to. I was I was I was talking to one of my Twitter friends on, not a, on a t on a DM group the other day, um, and she's she was she had a recording contract. She was a brilliant musician, um, and um, she said that for her, Steely Dan were the greatest band ever, and that um, Nightfly, which is Donald Fagan's solo album, is. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, there isn't a bad note on it, never mind a bad song. Um, and she knows what she's talking about. I mean, she's a, a professional musician. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I mean, the singles are fantastic. Um, but I I listen to the albums. There's one or two tracks. Um, there's one track on Countdown to Ecstasy. Can't remember which one it is now, which is okay. You know, it's one of those ones where you go in one ear, out the other doesn't demand anything of you, didn't dislike it, but didn't make me go, oh, well, I want to listen to that again. Um, but apart from that, I just I just think they're brilliant. So there we go. Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, I'll uh, try to whiz through this. We've got 20, 25 minutes maybe left. We've got one each left, haven't we? I've got two now, actually. Yep. Um, right, I'm going straight in. I'm going Eagles. Ooh. Mm, controversial. They, they had a few albums. Not not that many actually. I I did like. This is where I had to think. Where do where do I start? Where do I end? 
uh, and uh, there were so many from their debut album, Desperado. I thought, right, no, I'm going to go on the border one of these nights and, and Hotel so California. Yeah. Now, on the border, March 74, it came out and it was Bill Simsick produced it. I mean, a couple of the tracks I think were Glyn Johns, but they wanted to move to a more rockier sound. We've had this discussion before. That's why I'm not going to be too, um, too long on it, but rather than the country sound from the previous two, Don Felder was on it for the first time. He appeared on two tracks, Rocky tracks already gone classic and uh, good day in hell. Um, all of which were U S hits. They weren't here. Best of my love. One of the three hits with James Dean and already gone. The three hits. Best of my love was a number one in the U S and, uh, my Man was a Bernie Leiden song, which was his tribute to Graham Parsons. They did a cover of Tom Waits' Old 55 on there. The title track uh, on the border was inspired by the Watergate scandal, it would appear. Uh, in fact, you can hear Glenn Fry uh, in the fade-out, you can hear him say, say goodnight, Dick, at the end. Uh, and I listened to that thing. yeah, I've never heard that before, and you do hear it. Anyway, on the border... Uh, and I, it's probably the first time I'd really got into the Eagles. Looking back, love Desperado, love Take It Easy, Peaceful Easy Feeling on the first album, uh, Witchy Woman, whatever. Um, but it was it was already gone that got me into him, into the Eagles. And the next album in the sequence, probably don't like it as much as the ones one and three, but it's a great album. It's one of these nights. The big commercial breakthrough. breakthrough that's, my album. Fa- that's my favourite Eagles album. Yeah, well, things like Journey of the Sorcerer, which is probably one of your favourite tracks on it. Brilliant. Probably not it's as fa- not as. That was that was used as a BBC um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Thing. Yeah, 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 it was. Uh, but anyway, one of these nights was a number one. Lion Eyes. This is one of my favourite songs ever. Is on there. Take it to the limit, which is such a great song as well, which yeah. Randy Meisner sang. Uh, it was the last Bernie Leiden album. He was replaced by Joe Walsh, which takes you on to Hotel California. There's not a lot else I can say about Hotel California other than to say it is brilliant, in my humble opinion. Grammy record of the year. Um, well, the song Hotel California, I think that was, rather than the album. Uh, New Kid in Town was the Grammy winner for the best arrangement of the voices. It didn't get album of the year. That's because rumours came out that year. Oh, so it didn't win it. Three million times better than rumours. So further proof. Well, yeah, I, personally, yeah, I agree. But even the two two classics on two of my favourites on the album weren't singles, which is uh, wasted time. A couple of Don Henley songs, really, although they were Glenry uh, Fry and Henley songs. And the Last Resort, which is probably one of the greatest Eagles songs ever, and a great album closer. That's my favourite. That's my favourite Eagles song. Thirty-two million copies sold worldwide. Rolling Stone number 37 in their albums, 500 albums of all time, which we've still got to do a list of. Maybe we'll get Gordon to uh, contribute to that as well. We want, we're want. we trying to get together, trying to get, we're we doing albums or we're we doing songs? Albums. We'll, come, we'll talk about that another well, time. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. But we want to, it's yeah, we want to have our own list, you know, instead of quoting Rolling Stone, we'll have off the record 71 album or whatever, or whatever. Okay, so that's Eagles for me. So we've got another maybe 20 minutes or so we can get through the last three and any stragglers as well. So 
Gordon, there's one artist that you haven't had yet. I'm sure that it's going to be next. Well, saving the best for last. So it is not, no uh, surprise to hear it's uh, my main man, Mr Costello. Now, the, the, the problem here was, was that thing that, that, that Pete said about, you know, maybe having one that wasn't quite sort of up to the other two. Uh, mm. So I haven't went for the the early ones, which most people would probably have thought. So I, I could have took my aim as true uh, this year's model this year's and armed forces, which would be the a lot of people's the uh, very strong. Uh, mine, one, yeah, the, yeah, the one that lets me down there is actually armed forces. I love the first yeah, two. I agree with you. Ah, <laughs> <I> <laughs> the, the commercial breakthrough was yeah. it. It was too poppy. The It was too poppy, but it also wasn't as good. Those first yeah. two albums were straight out of the blocks. He was yeah. just, he, he he put down what he was about as a musician, and I loved yeah. both of them. And I agree with you. Armed Forces was it was it was all right, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I, I don't think he had really found his feet. Or his no. confidence. I think he was still trying to be, you know, successful. And I think after Get Happy, when he's, uh, which came after it, which was a, a basically a, a, a Motown and a Soul tribute album, you know, I think uh, with him, you know, just reworking a lot of stuff in that, that I didn't far too many tracks to make it sort of sonically very good 20, 20 tracks on it, sounded too cramped, compressed. Never been a two disc one that I've that I've seen sort of reissue. I thought there would have been, but anyway, he 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 then went on and produced his some of his best work for me, and it started with the album Trust. Again, probably his least successful commercially. Uh, I think Clubland was one of the only a few singles uh, that was on it uh, that, that that troubled the charts, but no much. Whisper to a Scream with Glenn Tilbrook was on it as well. But, I mean, every tra- every track on it is a musical sort of diversion or an adventure. There's nothing commercial about it. It's just great songwriting stuff like Shot With His Own Gun, Fish and Chip Paper, all different, all, you know, just showing he's a master, he's writing in whatever style that he wanted. So Trust was amazing album and you could not think of where he was going to go next, which was straight to Nashville uh, with Billy Sherell produced Almost Blue uh, and if you like country music it's a wonderful album if you hate country music it's Christ what was he thinking uh, I love country music so to me the, the great thing about it was it sent me to these artists that I didn't know I didn't know George Jones I didn't know Graham Parsons I didn't particularly know Charlie Rich apart from his um, you know, uh, sort of most behind beautiful girl. Yeah, most mm. beautiful girl in the world. I certainly didn't know much Emily Harris. Uh, so it sent me to find the original of these and actually had just as much fun, you know, getting into those artists. Uh, but Almost Blue was a, a, a tremendous, uh, authentic sounding country album. It wasn't the one just playing at it. And of course, he'd done Hank Williams in a punk style and just played everything at 100 mile an hour. Why don't you love me like you used to do? And mm. just, it's great. A, a punk version of Hank Williams. So he went to that 
on to his probably his most interesting album and, and one that I would think if Pete was going to have a favourite Costello album, I would have thought it might be that, uh, as I'm recalling, because it was Imperial Bedroom, which was, I always refer to it as his Beatles album. He had Jeff Emmerich, the, the Beatles engineer, you know, producing it, and it certainly had that level of Beatle instrumentation, you know, flugelhorns, you know, great instrumentation in that, but just brilliant, brilliant songs again. Uh, the man was just fearless then. He was just doing anything that he wanted. Again, commercially, Dead in the Water. Uh, you Little Fool, I think, was a single, done nothing. Yeah, that was, a, that was on there, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, uh, it was almost willful and no looking to have hit singles at that time. And it was quite easily, you know, the, the, the public agreed and none of them were hits. But that, again, was his, his high watermark. And most Costello fans, although they, they love later stuff like King of America and Blood and Chocolate, will usually argue between Trust and Imperial Bedroom, what was his, what was his best album. I always plug for Trust, uh, but I can easily see how people go for Imperial Bedroom because it is that much more polished and uh, accessible, I think. You know, not a bad track on it, just and faultless. Did he have uh, a... Bit of a Led Zeppelin moment on this album. Was there not a track called Almost Blue? Uh, there was a track called Almost Blue. actually the name of his previous album. The previous album, so yeah. Like Houses yeah. of the Holy. Yeah. On, it's uh, right, yeah. yeah. But, and, and he also had a, 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 a... He'd done one song on it where he, he, he played it. It was a lovely melodic song, but they they done like a heavy Led Zeppelin rock version. And they took the intro... And they took the outro and they welded it onto the to the actual song itself, so it screamed into your your ears, and then <laughs> it came out into this beautiful song, and then at the end it just screamed away again. It was quite perverse. Which song was that? Uh, well, of course, that's the one that's totally uh, went out of my head. Let me well, just come on. It wasn't man at a time, was it? It was man at the time. It was man. It was man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was man at the time. And as I say, done the a, a, a sort of Led Zeppelin power version, and they spliced the intros and the outros on it, and just made it. Yeah. And then they released it as a single. Yeah, yeah. Certainly the longest track on the album, I think. Yeah, fantastic album. Uh, but that's that's my three. As I say, trust. And the week country interlude in the middle, almost blue, and then. Uh, Imperial Bedroom. I'm not sure buying vinyl stuff back in the late 70s and early 80s. I, I'm not sure that I actually bought the two, the first two Elvis Costello albums. Sacrilege, I know, but I actually got Oliver's Army. Uh, sorry, Oliver's Army, Armed no, Forces. Then, then um, what was after Armed Forces? Well, it was Trust. Get Happy. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was Get, get happy. happy. I got Get Happy. I got Armed Forces. I got Get Happy with like 50 million songs on. That's right. Oh, Can't stand up for falling down. Can't stand up for falling down, high fidelity, etc. And and then I got Almost Blue. So mm-hmm. I missed out Trust, funnily enough. Well, Trust came uh, just before Almost Blue. Yeah, but so it's it, it Trust, bombed, Almost Blue, and Imperial Bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Okay, so well, you had to have Elvis Costello in there. I must admit, I was expecting you to have him there. And why not? Pete, your last prog one then. Right, well, I'm finishing with a big slab of prog, and this is another one where I could have gone one, two, three, 
two, three, four, or four, five, uh, three, four, five. Um, it's uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. So I've gone with um, the first album, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer from 1970. Um, and that's got Take a Pebble and Knife Edge, um, and then The Three Fates and Lucky Man, which is their, you know, one of their big singles. Um, we'll Take a Pebble and Lucky Man. Um, Tarkus from 1971, which obviously I love because it's, um, uh, it's interesting. I didn't realize that, but when I was looking, and it, that was a number one album in the UK and a number nine in the US. Um, and that was um, a, uh, an Eddie Offord. Eddie Offord engineered it, and he was the Yes engineer as well. Um, so there was obviously a, a link there. And that was the one with the iconoclast and eruption and all that stuff on. And it's, it, it, I, I mean, you know, again, if you don't like prog, then you'll hate it. But Keith Emerson's um, keyboard work, you know, Ian. For me, him and Rick Wakeman are the the two gods of the instrument. And um, was it named after the author that one? No, it's Tarkus, not Tarkus. All right, Tarkus. Right, okay. Thanks for clearing that up. It's the one. It's the one with the tank with the face on it. Right. Um, okay. So there was no there, otter involvement. No otter. No otters were were hurt were in the making of this yeah. album. Um, but and then so the reason I've done it that way is because then it finishes with what for me is the quintessential ELP album. It was the first one I bought. So I've kind of back bought the others thanks to my dealer and various other people. Um, was it live? Um, uh, yeah, pictures at an exhibition. Pictures and exhibition, uh, yeah. for me, you know, it's it's live at live at Newcastle City Hall, so it's kind of you know where Lindisfarne play. Um, and I just think. It was such a clever idea. And again, if you don't like prog, you go, no, it's shit. But it, it's such a clever idea to take an entire piece of classical music and say, right, let me interpret that in the rock idiom. And whether you love it or hate it, the musicianship is absolutely astounding. Um, and then at the end of it, they just nail Nut Rocker on as a kind of um, kind of dance around thing at the end. And there's a new version of... Um, pictures and exhibition. I mean, it was remastered, or whether there's another live version which was done much, much later. Um, I think in the nineties, um, which is also on Spotify, um, and that's brilliant as well. Um, and it, interestingly, or, or not, um, there's a um, there's a DVD which I own, which is a DVD of them doing um, pictures at an exhibition at the Isle of Wight Festival. Which the first up so first time they played live in that circumstance I was at the Isle of Wight in 1970, and they played the whole of pictures at an exhibition, and to have the bollocks to do that, you you know you have to go. They were pretty sure of how good they were as musicians, and they ended it with two cannons exploding um, on stage and did the whole thing, and they didn't have enough. Um, it was a good story. They they didn't have enough amplification at the festival for the sound so they had to fly over pink floyd's um rig for the fest for the um for the actual concert in order to get what they wanted in terms of pa so it's quite an interesting backstory to it but anyway yeah so um the original elp album tarkus and then pictures at an exhibition okay. i mean they could do something like that with a with a doing the whole piece of music because unlike most sort of gigs the, the, the fans aren't sitting there waiting on the hits no you know but that, I mean? that's the whole point 
the whole yeah. that, 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 that's, the, that's the, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, you can you can do what you want. And, and, and whether you like or not, that that's what their audience would have expected them to do. Yeah, exactly. Like. And most of their audience, like me, would have been brought up by a parent who listened to classical music or jazz. So you know, my whole musical background was classical music and jazz. So it was natural that the rock yeah. that I got into was influenced by that. So yes, and Emerson Lake and Palmer and Focus and all that stuff, Caravan, Camel, it was all classically based. And and you know, I make no apology for that. It's my dad. So yeah. It was the only way I could ever get any time on the turntable. <laughs> so, please, Dad, can I listen to one of mine? Oh, what is it? It's not bloody status quo, is it? No, 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 it's yes. All right, fine. So, you know, that was kind of how it went. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I, I think those three albums are a good run. And, of course, if you start with pictures and exhibition, you then do brain salad surgery and um, uh, the other one, trilogy. Okay. Brain salad surgery is always my favourite uh, cover and title of a it's, album. It's, The cover's really clever. The cover's yeah. really clever. It is. Never judge a book. Got that for me as well. Never judge an album by the cover. No. There was a crap Steely Dan cover, wasn't there, at one point? I seem to remember. Yeah, the Royal Scam is a crap. The, it, it won an award for being a crap cover, but it's a brilliant <laughs> album. So. All right. Metrologics, hardly a, a milestone in, in cover art either. Is it not just a pretzel stand? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yep. Yeah, didn't, I mean, didn't yeah. make our album artwork show, did it? No, it wasn't. Well, no, right, it let's, wasn't. let's get on with my... I've noticed, though, actually, before I get on to my last one, um, you're, you're getting very defensive about the old prog this week. Yes, I noticed that. Eh? You noticed that? Yeah, oh. yeah, aye. Yeah, he's, uh, he's always prefaced yeah, it. He's, no, he's coming up with his... Uh, well, I, I, you might think it's crap, but, you know, you don't yeah, normally worry about that. I don't. All right. Don't, don't be defensive. We don't preface our choices with that. Be, so be proud of your... I, I am uh, very proud of it. I, I am. Choices. I shall go to my grave, a prog rocker, amongst other things. Really, I am very proud of my last one. I, I could have had... A, they, they had a few albums. Not a massive amount. I'm going for Simon and Garfunkel. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's thrown you, isn't it? Right. I, I didn't see I didn't see that coming, but that's a good one. The earlier the earlier ones good as well. The the Wednesday morning three AM, the Sounds of Silence. I'm going for the sequence, ignoring the graduate soundtrack. Right. Um and in fact a lot of sort of cast offs from that were on the middle of the three albums anyway. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. The first one is Parsley Sage Rosemary and Time, which came out in sixty six. And I won't bother boring you with the US and the UK chart positions, but the, the, it's, it's mainly acoustic, as you can imagine. Them. Uh, a lot of the songs written in, with, during Paul Simon's time here in England for Emily, wherever I might, uh, wherever I may find her. Uh, the Seven O'clock News, Silent Night. I think that closes the the album. Uh, Homeward Bound, Scarborough Fair. Um, there's, I don't know, there's sharp contrast, I think, from song to song. 59th Street Bridge song, Feeling Groovy, etc. The Dangling Conversations, another one of my favourites. So that was from 66. The follow-up album being Mr. Vinyl Dealer, Bookends. Bookends, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have got them in, in what order. In order, yeah, yeah. In April 68, this was a number one, actually, in the UK and the US. 
a bit of a concept album um, exploring the journey from very young, very or childhood, yeah, I birth, guess, birth to, to old age. Yeah, birth to to old age. Um, side one, making successive stages in life. Um, the theme serving as a bookends to the, the life cycle, if you like. Side two was actually a bunch of songs from the graduate that, that didn't get used or their previous previously released singles and of course the pièce de résistance which Pete doesn't like because of two tracks he can't stand in 1970 bridge over troubled water so both US and UK number one single uh, album yeah. sorry in the album chart uh, uh, Cecilia he can't stand and uh, uh, was it uh, El Condor Passa you don't like yeah, I can't remember what's the other song you don't like Oh, El Condor Passa, yeah. El Condor Passa, Cecilia. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I, I like, I like both. I like yeah, Cecilia, yeah, and I like Bridge Over Troubled Water, classic song. The Boxer, has uh, so many classic songs on there. My favourite one that is keeping the customer satisfied, which is the best. Satisfied. Brad's Section on it, so underrated. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic song. It's a real up tempo song, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, it's a really good piece of songwriting. I love Why Don't You Write Me. Actually, that's a, that's a good sort of catchy song yeah. as well. The it's only living boy in New York. I mean, you name it. There's so many good songs. Um, on. Even so the last track. Is Sorry, is Frank Lloyd Wright on that? Yes, so yeah. long. Frank Lloyd Wright's on yeah, there as well. And song for the asking, which closes yes, the album, which is like his Paul Simon sort of song ode to to Art Garfunkel to say maybe yeah we can we can come back and do another album. They didn't. Uh, well, not a studio album anyway. So that is my third one. I have to get that one done. Please. No, that's a good shout. Actually, I think they're very, uh, very no underrated, but almost forgotten about now. You they never really get brought up in the discussion that that album's flawless. No, I, I love it. I love well, they're not in the um, um, they're not in the public eye like the Beatles are. You know, the Beatles still get talked about, whereas Simon and Garfunkel much less so. People talk about Paul Simon maybe because of his classic albums later on as a solo artist. Yeah. Our generation. Grew up with Simon and Garfunkel and loved the albums, but they're, they're he was not. such a jealous wee arsehole, but wasn't he compared to about you know uh, Art Garfunkel? And I mean, there's that cringing moment at the Grammys, no long after they had split, where uh, he, he's at the he's at the podium and Art Garfunkel comes up and he says something like, "Oh, I thought I told you to stay in the car, something like that." You know, it's just so unnecessary. Well, he wasn't. I mean, he is a, yeah, he is a bit he? of a dick. I mean, he's a brilliant songwriter, but he is a yeah. bit of a dick. So. Yeah, he's so insecure after he wrote all the great songs. About the well, guy one, one, another artist that was probably the closest, one of the closest to getting in uh, was Credence. But I went oh, for the yeah. Eagles in the end. I mean, Credence yeah. had three, and not many can say this, not even Pete and his whatever it was for, yes, three albums in in a 12-month period, yeah, in 1969. Yeah, yeah. Had yeah. Bayou Country, they had Green River. I should say Green Door. That's, right. a, that's another that's thing altogether, isn't it? Yeah. Green River and uh, William and the Poor Boys. But that was it. followed up by Cosmos Factory, of course. At yeah. the of there were yeah. three, maybe four, and Pendulum came after. Yeah, as yeah. a number. Uh, I mean, as I said, I had 25 listed down there. I mean, Elton John had a run of three for me as well. Uh-huh. Honky Shadows, Yellow Brick Road, Man Across the Water. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, my crew that got my two that got shoved off just right in the last minute with the Jayhawks. The uh, Jayhawks. Yeah, I love love the Jayhawks. Uh, tomorrow the Green Grass, Sound of Lies and Smile, and also Graham Park and the Rumour Park Gorilla, squeezing out sparks and up the up escalator. Yeah. Either of them I would have been happy to regale you with. Well, so I binned off. Uh, I binned off Bowie because I thought for with Bowie you could have. Um, Hunky Dory, Ziggy, yeah, and Aladdin yeah, Sane, yeah, and then true. you could jump forward a few years and do the Berlin trilogy. And yeah. I think I think either of those stand up as a three album run. Yeah, well, I would have went low station to station and um, heroes, heroes sign. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the Berlin trilogy. That's that's the no, other. No, well, I thought that was, but I've actually heard that the Berlin trilogy actually ends with. Uh, Lodger, right? Okay, so the Berlin trilogy is 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 um, no, no, isn't in it. No, no, so station to station isn't in it. Station to station was first, wasn't it? Station to station, low heroes, Lodger. right? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I yeah, so station to station wasn't in my head. It's exactly as you say. It's yeah. it should be low station and heroes, but that, apparently yeah. that's wrong. And the last one recorded in the hands of studio was well. I I I go for station to station and and low and heroes anyway as another tries another three run, but I mean he did so much good stuff, didn't he? I mean, guy was a genius. Yeah. Sorry, Colin. Okay. We better wind it up. Better wind it up. Um, yeah, a bit late starting, but we've finished. Well, we finished a little bit late as well. Obviously, we were going to finish late time wise, but in terms of the, in terms of the actual time of the show, if you like. We should wind it up, but thanks very much. Uh, an interesting debate, no doubt. Doubtless it was, and um, yeah, some obvious choices from all of us probably along along the way, uh, and and some that we missed out that we should have had in, maybe like the Beatles, like Bowie, like Stevie yeah. Wonder, like the Stones. But they, they'd obviously be in there. But we, we veered away from those this yeah, week. Make it interesting. But, yeah. So thanks, Gordon. We we got through You're to you eventually on your phone. Yes, sorry about that. I'll have a word with Emperor Zarg and the mothership tomorrow about that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you need to. Get him sorted out. <laughs> and thank you very much, Pete, as always. My pleasure. As always. And we'll be, uh, well, we'll be back on next week for episode 103, no doubt. You're around next week, I assume. I am. Yeah, okay, right. We'll sort out something that we're going to talk about. Thank you very much, Gordon. Um, yeah, maybe we're going to talk about the doing a list of albums or, or songs. It could be either, like, 500 Greatest. We, we're trying to what? do something. We just never get around to doing it and how we do it. You know, what do we do? We do yeah. certain genres. Yeah, one for email. Compilate through email. Yes, indeed. Okay. Uh, another one that might be of interest to you, and you might be more interested in Pete, might have more input was is b-sides oh ah, yeah i that would yeah. be yeah that'd be that a good shout be maybe we'll do that another day um yeah. but in the meantime it's time to go to bed as zebedee would say to bring it forward so round about <laughs> time for bed um so it's oh this podcast will be posted to the usual places over the weekend to spotify google podcast apple podcast anchor um breaker Breaker, I always forget that one. Whatever, uh, Breaker too, uh, and um, yeah, and one day we will be on the BBC. BBC, it definitely will be, and it's 
all I can say now is good night from me. Good night from him. And it's good night from them. And the aliens. Not off. Thank you very much. <laughs>